today on the Totally Football Show. Man City, Liverpool. Mo money, mo problems. Sadio masochistic. The worst decision to send off money since I got that good news from the nice Nigerian prince. Of course not. But let's not waste time worrying about all that now because there's so much else to discuss. As we salute the weekend's winners, looking at you, Seagulls, and look forward to the midweek Champions League action. Spurs Dortmund, Barcelona Juventus, Celtic, PSG. There's Football League, tales from Spain and Germany, and a little bit later on, when we heard it midway through recording, the shock news from Crystal Palace as the Eagles show De Boer, door. It's the Totally Football Show. Yes. Hi, Kelly Cates. Hi, James Richardson. How are you? Yeah, I'm ever so well, actually. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> That's quite all right. Uh, You've got no questions for me now. You've had level, isn't it? No, we were You've... discussing things before mm. about how you prepare for your hugely important landmark broadcasting event, the 606 show, on a Sunday night with Ian Wright. That is correct, yeah. OK. How long is the show? I mean, when we were talking about preparation, it yeah. wasn't in terms of... You weren't asking about, you know, what do you read? What do you watch? What do you, you, were, you were saying, how soon before you go on air do you get in the studio? And mm-hmm. technically, are things OK? <laughs> It was, it was clearly a loaded question. <laughs> it's a 90-minute show. Which bit drags most for you? Is there a <laughs> the bit, section where the, you think... Yeah, the news, James, because then, you know, we don't get to do our show. That's the right answer, isn't it? Nice. Right, right yeah, straight yeah, back. Yeah. All the way down. Yeah. Clear boundary. <laughs> Boom. And hello, Ian McIntosh. Good morning. Raphael Honigstein. Hello, James. You're ready to rock and rant today. I am indeed, yes. All right. What's, yeah. what's lit your fire? I'm quite in a ranty mood today. Yeah. Yeah. Crikey. You've been very quiet. Mm. Mm. You've been keeping it all in. It's the quiet before the storm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited, listeners. Here's Adam Hurry of Football Clichés, a friend of the Totally Football Show Tweeting this weekend uh, a couple of lines from an article on Goal.com on Rivaldo. Uh, they're describing the Brazilian superstar's life and they have this poetic turn of phrase. In 1989, when he was 15, he lost his father in a bus accident. Like Gillette rebuilt shaving with its latest flexible technology, <laughs> he persevered through the challenges life presented him with and made his way to the very top. That's magnificent, isn't it? Jesus. I don't believe that is real. It's true. That can't be true. Yeah, yeah. it's part of a series they did called the the Gillette Flexible Technology series. Imagine if it rebuilt his life with Cornerstone. Oh, the career he could have had. (laughs) (laughs) That's extraordinary. But you know what? That opens up, and Ian, I know you'll be alive to this, all sorts of possibilities. Anything, I don't know, if you want to drop Jaffa Cakes into your review of Leicester Chelsea later, who knows where we could be this time The world's a great big marketplace, isn't it? It certainly is. All right, excellent. Um, So much to discuss today. Uh, Let's begin, Rafa, with Man City, Liverpool. A 5-0 scoreline. He's taking deep breaths. I'm actually quite concerned. Kelly, I'm going to be interested in your take on this, but Rafa, you've got some passionate views. Um, Well, I think before we got into the foul and the red card bit, I think it was a very strange game because Liverpool looked like a more complete team um, for the opening spells and uh, City were struggling and everybody was saying, oh, you know, Guardiola still hasn't sorted it out and they're weak at the back and... I think all the you know the, the half-time analysis was getting ready to point fingers at John Stones and all these people who were in the wrong position. Um, but of course, they go one 0 down, and then everything changes. I mean, Liverpool capitulated, and I think that was a bit embarrassing. Um, the way they kind of just gave up after going one 0 down and one man down. The team clearly weren't quite set up to play in the counter attack. I think there is a, I think there's a bit of a misconception that all they do is press really high. I mean, they don't. They actually quite. They like to win the ball back in, in 
areas that are dangerous, but doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, at the box. And then they want to play the tra tra transition game. The problem is once they want one down and one man down, very hard to play that kind of game because mm. <laughs> the opposition have no reason to to open up. They just kept the ball. They just been very very methodical. And City were probably the worst team. Um, this city team on the Guardiola to go one man down, one man down. It's not an excuse, but it's an explanation. Okay, but you still feel that Liverpool gave up? I think yes, I, th I do think that they gave up. I think their heads dropped, and they don't. They didn't seem to believe that they could still rectify the situation. I think you had that feeling that this is going to be horrible now that they're going to be at the end of a of a bad scoreline and, that's exactly what happened exactly what happened yeah man city particularly ruthless but analysis a little bit difficult because as you say they were a, a man down sadia mani possibly the most important player getting sent off a lot of controversy about this and i think by now everybody if you haven't read what the rules of the game are <laughs> the laws of the game are go away and look at them because it was correct it was a correct decision to, to send him off. What, Kelly, what did you make of the afternoon? The sending off, I looked at it and at first I didn't think anything of mm. it. Then you watch it, then you again you go through the laws and you think, well, actually, by the not by FIFA's laws, by the FA's um, version of the laws as well, because FIFA you have to have excessive force and all this kind of thing, but it's the FA who've got that endangering an opponent thing in. Excessive force or brutality, and, and here we go, um, which getting a boot in the jaw... Yeah, is endangering. Brutal. No, exactly. Yeah, it's, a, okay. it's it's a red card. I'm not arguing against that. Mm. But I didn't think, and I think the reason that I didn't automatically think it was a red card in the first place is because you don't see them given, and so the so the letter of the law isn't applied. Mm. I and mean, the law is clear. It just isn't something. That, so where, that's why you've got a match of the day, three former strikers, and okay, all sort of at least twenty years ago, but you've got three former strikers saying, "Well, I would have gone in for that ball, and I don't." And, and I understand it's a red card. They all said it was, but I. I get that because normally, and as we saw with Matt Ritchie, hmm. you don't get a red card for it. it is, the, is the other question then at this point what Edison was doing charging for that? What, a 50-50 well, ball well outside his area? Yeah, but, that, but, but you can't blame him for well, the fact that, that Mane's coming in with a, with a high boot. No, no, you know, no, that no you, absolutely. But just in terms of a tactical decision from a goalkeeper to make He that does kind that, of, doesn't he? That's yeah. what Edison does. That's, that's kind of part of his game. I mean, he's not at fault for doing that, no, I don't no, think. I think that's part of his game. But in a goalkeeping sense, maybe he is. Like, for example, Maddie, well, they Maddie had won that ball. He didn't score. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, OK, but it's, it's a massive risk he's taking coming out like that. OK. Well, in, in what way? Well, in the sense that... It was if, a 50-50 ball. Yeah. If Manny had won that ball, Edison's about a mile outside his, his goal. and yeah. Manny's no, But if Edison if thinks he, he can win it and he then does... It's a, then it's a clear-cut goal yeah. for Fair opportunity. Enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, can I just say, I think there is... Part of the confusion is because of the way that the um, the rules are phrased. I mean, people look at this individual serious foul play, the way it's defined, and it's very similar to the language that's being used for dangerous play. And they, they find it hard to work out the difference. I think you have to look at the whole laws in context because... Dangerous play in itself is not considered a serious foul. It's not considered hardly a foul at all because you don't touch your opponent. That's why it's one of those offences that don't um, have a direct free kick and only indirect one because you really are stopping the game. You're impeding the game. Um, you haven't really done anything physical to your opponent. Uh, when it comes to serious foul play with a dangerous element in it, it's almost like a double offence because you've done something which is wrong, which is to play dangerously, and you've fouled your opponent. And it's a bit like, I think the analogy is great, it's been used before, but it's a bit like speeding. You will be punished for speeding, but it's not going to be a major offence. You know, you get ticked off. If you hurt somebody, 
then it becomes a very serious offense. And the fact that you didn't mean to hurt anyone mm. or you only had your eyes on, I don't know where you had your eyes or the risk reward. I mean, the, the one thing I found is really strange is this risk reward thing that's coming now into, into some of the analysis. You know, he had to go for it because the reward of scoring a goal was so big. Yeah, that's an explanation, but that's not an excuse. Mm. No. You, you have all sorts of possible risk reward scenarios, but it doesn't give you the right to endanger uh, your fellow um, professional mm. uh, or indeed hurt him. Well, of course, Manny wasn't the only one with the jaw-dropping performance on Saturday. Uh, his namesake, Sané, also looked pretty good coming off the bench, didn't he? I don't know why I'm looking at you, Ian, because you were on the motorway coming back from, <laughs> from, from, from Leicester at this point. It's not point. his namesake. No, you're right. I couldn't think. What's the... His, his, his... Rhyming... Friend? Yeah, he's rhyming. <laughs> I, I was actually at Leicester watching it in the press lounge. Okay. So I did see it. But I always think that the thing with Sane, that so much money's been spent, not just at City, but in football in general, that his, what was he, £37 million? You kind of don't really think of it as a big transfer. You, you just It's just something that happened. Whereas if that had happened sort of four or five years ago, he'd be labouring under the weight of that price tag. But he's such a fantastic player. And that, that fifth goal, the only shame of it is that it doesn't really mean anything more than rubbing salt in Liverpool's open wounds. But imagine scoring that goal when it's nil-nil in the last minute. Mm. It'll yeah, all be forgotten about. How, um, how, how much will this hurt Liverpool? Will they just write this off as, as the Manny red card... Uh, basically compromising their chance to win the game? Or is there a more serious issue here about why they didn't pick up another centre-back when they didn't get Van Dijk? Uh, yes. that Well, yeah. I mean, that that's still going to be a hangover. Also, how they played after Mane's sending off, which is that they, didn't, they, they weren't able to, for whatever reason, just go defensively in a couple of banks and mm. sort it out. I mean, that's, that's definitely a question mark. In terms of how it affects them... I don't know. I I think it'll be more psychological than anything. And if if it is, it won't be. Oh my God, we got absolutely played off the park by City. It will be a sense of that um, that sense of what they might see as injustice, or mm. that kind of you know feeling that Don't the world's against maybe. them. <laughs> the world's against them, or that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I okay. think that will be that. That will that will be the the issue. I think. I mean, you know, you know how Klopp thinks. You're. You know, literally writing the book on him. Yes, um, I don't think he'll. I mean, I, when he said afterwards, it, it, what would he? What did he say? We're not going to appeal it because it would be a waste of time, mm. much like the game. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he will turn it into a hard luck story. I think internally they they know that they, you know, that a it was a stupid challenge to make, and b that they didn't do enough afterwards to come out with a good result. But I think it gave him a bit of an excuse afterwards in the press conference to not to go into Liverpool's mm, own problems too much. Yeah, uh, Leonard Slutsky, whose Hull side also got whooped 5-0 as well, um, he said after the game that there's a saying in Russia, it's better to lose one game 5-0 than five games 1-0. Well, I um, think, you know, so. the numbers are on his side on, on, on that one. Um, <laughs> next up for Liverpool, it's, of course, a visit from Sevilla in a repeat of the season before last Europa League final which, of course, didn't go too well for them. We'll, we'll talk more about that later on. We'll hear from uh, Filippo Maria Ricci all the way over there in uh, sunny Spain. Man City, meanwhile, before that, will be at Feyenoord. Uh, Feyenoord, of course, Dutch champions. They've won, as you all know, uh, all four of their opening games in the Eredivisie this season. Um, they have, though, had a major injury blow with Nikolai Jorgensen, who was Eredivisie top scorer last season. He's out, apparently. Um so that's a headache for their manager, he said, reading from his notes, Giovanni van Bronckhorst. <laughs> City, whatever the 
question marks about the red card and the fact that their opposition were only had 10 men. They did look pretty awesome with Kevin De Bruyne and, 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 and Jesus and, and Aguero up front. Yeah, and a long list of things that will be forgotten about because of the red card. Kevin De Bruyne's performance is right up there. The through ball for the first goal was absolutely glorious. Um, and they look... I mean, it's that style of football that is very, very difficult to inculcate so quickly I mean he did it at Bayern Munich but he was dealing with quite a decent squad of players what does inculcate mean you know to sort of engender to cultivate okay. to, mm. that kind of thing right. but they seem to be they seem to be getting there with the movement and the knowing what each other's doing particularly with uh, Sergio Aguero and Gabriel Jesus who um, Aguero's been on the bench he's on the bench against Bournemouth he's on the bench for his country um, it's kind of crucial that those two figure out a way of getting their stuff together. Well, and, they certainly and did they in this certainly game, did. They? Yeah. certainly did. All right, then. That was City Liverpool. Next up, we hear about Ian's trip and so much more. Tweet us at The Totally Show and find us on Facebook and at thetotallyfootballshow.com. Elsewhere, this midweek, Chelsea have got Carabag out of Azerbaijan. Karabag haven't played a football match since 26th of August when they won 2-1 against Kabbalah. Uh, Chelsea have played since then, haven't they, Ian? They won as well. Three mm. wins on the bounce. Is that right? Yeah. You know, th- there are still reports of, um, of friction behind the scenes, so mm. it, you know, it may still come to pass. However, on the pitch, yeah, three wins um, on the spin. They, I thought they took unnecessary risks against Leicester. I thought they were going to pack the midfield and sit a little bit deeper because of that horrific counter-attack they've got. But um, they went for it. They, they had Fabregas on the pitch. Fabregas, I thought, was fantastic. Mm. Um, his trademark dinked passes and Morata and his intelligence and movement are a perfect combination. Kante was wonderful as well. Azpilicueta, um, so often ignored, had a 60-second spell where... They were caught by the Leicester counter-attack. Azpilicueta was the only sentry left on duty. And he somehow, while running backwards, managed to do just enough to stop Maris from shooting and block off the option of passing to Vardy and uh, delayed the whole move for just enough that they couldn't score. Then he goes up the other end, tosses in across, and Morata heads in the opener. Beautiful. All right, well, anyway, that, that was a 2-1 win at Leicester. We've had a rotten start to the season, uh, the Foxes, but uh, easier fixtures are on their way. Uh, Europa League winners Man United will be in Champions League action hosting Basel, who, of course, seven years ago knocked the Reds out in the group stage. Uh, Alexander Fry. Mm, Basel's uh, record very good against uh, English teams. For yeah, not last season, reasons. though, when Arsenal beat them in both no, legs. that's true. But, Generally speaking. Mm, they're on their eighth consecutive title in Switzerland, Basel, but they're not off to the best start this year. They haven't won any of their last three matches. But they do have Ricky van Wolfswinkel. Or, as Garth Crooks called him... Wolf Van Winkle. Did he? <laughs> yeah. First weekend he played. Blessed. Which I loved one with all in, my heart. One in 29 for Norwich, I think. I think it, I think it, was, it, was, it was equally impressive, if not exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Mm. All right. Uh, Man United have Jones and Baye out. Uh, so Smalling and Lindelof are going to be coming in. And they're also coming off their first drop points and first goals conceded of the season away at Stoke this weekend. And may I just say, I haven't seen Stoke for a while. But they've turned into a terrifically entertaining bunch, at least on the basis of this game, with that front three of uh, Hesse, Shakiri, and, uh, of course, your old friend, Rafa, Chupo Moting. Here's Jack Dowling saying, Chupo looks a steal. No. Well, <laughs> I mean, there's, a reason, there's a reason why Shaq let him go. Um, he wasn't very prolific, uh, shall we say. Three goals last season. Yeah. yeah. And two in this. 
Do you know, here's a stat, Chupa Moting is the first player to open his Premier League goal account with a brace against Manchester United since... Anybody? Afonso Alves. <laughs> OK. <laughs> Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah just. Yeah. That worked out really well. <laughs> <laughs> really well. Sorry about that, Jack. Uh, returning to Stoke and Mark Hughes and the business they've done is actually looking really good now. I mean, Hesse, uh, with the winner against Arsenal, was, was really influential in this game. Uh, triple moting with a brace. Zoma, Kurt, Kurt Zuma looked fantastic it at the back. It should be said, this is a trap I've fallen into many, oh. many times from Stoke. <laughs> yeah. Because you always think just like another couple of players of quality mm. and, ooh, blimey, they could come sick with a team like that. And it never seems to quite kick on. Um, Shakiri was, by all accounts, very good on mm. Saturday, but yeah, was. has drifted in and out of, of games since he's been there. Um, but the thing is, the perception of Stoke now will be that they are this tricky, entertaining side because they were on television. And whenever a televised game, whenever a team plays well in a televised game, it always has kind of undue importance. You always sort of take that away with you. Mm. And so that will cut until next time they're on and they might have an off day, which they're prone to. Then we'll suddenly see, but oh... Oh, they've not really clicked, have they? But this will be our impression until they're, they're next on for a full 90 minutes again. All right then, Kelly. What about United then? Can I draw some conclusions about them? Them dropping these points, conceding these goals. Was it the fact, as Mourinho suggested, that his players are all a bit pooped out of their international uh, fixtures? Or, equally as Mourinho's suggestion was, that it was a game for Fellaini and on the set pieces they would have been more dominant if only they'd had Marouane Fellaini. Does he say this? He says this kind of stuff just to troll the media, yeah? Yeah, or or misdirect. Right. Um, uh, a stunning example being his double-page interview in the Sunday Times this weekend where he made quite a big point of saying that Chelsea were a fantastic ultra-defensive side, um, which, yeah, it's it's back to that Trumpian thing that he'll say that and then we'll all go off and talk about it and we'll actually ignore, right. you know. The, the wow. Jose Mourinho is the Donald Trump of football. That is <laughs> <laughs> quite the statement, Ian. <laughs> Only in that aspect, maybe. But I haven't seen anyway, the size of his hands. We, we, have no, we have no evidence he's a climate change denier. <laughs> or is about to bring about the fall of the Western world. So right. that's it. <laughs> um, Never rule it out. Potentially stormy weather on the horizon for Man United with, uh, uh, with the, their first choice centre-halves out. And maybe one or two weaknesses there that... Uh, had been masked by their easier fixtures before. Oh dear, Rafa's frowning at me. Now the rant is coming. Okay. Now the rant is coming. Um, there is a TV-led perception that due to the uh, modern ills of zonal marking, high fullbacks, and uh, playing up from the back, defences are worse than ever before mm. in the Premier League. But it's absolute nonsense. If they were, you'd expect lots more goals being scored, wouldn't you? Maybe the forwards are not as good as they used to be. Well, Maybe nothing's as good as it used to be. <laughs> the, that's so true, Kelly. The Thanks to our friends at um, myfootballfacts.com, I've actually looked this up because it, it's been bothering me so much that you've had this... Every match anal analysis now goes into the mistakes of the defenders. That's the main thing that's being talked about. And it's, it's nonsense because the Premier League average goals... Since 1992-93, uh, so 25 years, 26 seasons, has always been 2.64. And that's exactly where we were last year, 2.65. So I would say the argument is actually that with the undeniable influx of quality that we've seen throughout the league, defences are holding up better than ever. Well, that's good news. That's go. good news. Excellent. All right. Uh, Man United, uh, what are they doing? Who are they playing in Basel? With a, they'll probably be OK. We'll see later in the week. Uh, potentially a much trickier test awaits Spurs, Rafa, who will be taking on 
Dortmund. Now, it's only recently these two sides met, and as we all recall, Dortmund ran out 5-1 winners on aggregate in the Europa League. Um, Dortmund have changed manager, they've changed some big players as well since then. Are they any less scary, Rafa? Um, not much less scary, no. I mean, they have some injury problems going into this game um, at the back. Marcel Schmelzer was injured and uh, um, couldn't continue. Uh, his opponent, uh, Jorik Grave, was actually sent off on the advice of the video, evidence, video referee because the foul was so bad. Uh, referee had missed it, only awarded a yellow. And, and Mark Bartra is probably not going to be able to play either. Um, so there is a problem for them. Going forward, they still have so much quality. And the fact that Usman Dembele has left hasn't really changed much um, about about their quality up front. They've, they've strengthened. They've added a couple of players. And they're still, I think, favourites to win this game. Right. Even though it is, well, maybe That's perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> no. Yeah, Yamalenko joining. No, uh, uh, he'll play up front with uh, with uh, Aubameyang and uh, who else? Yeah, they've got Pulisic, they've right. got Kagawa. I mean, they've got real quality. Michael Royce is coming back, hopefully not too long. Right, and they're top of the Bundesliga as we speak. They are. Mm. Kelly? All I was going to say in Spurs' defence was that that was slightly a false result because Spurs were going for the title and Pochettino did play a much weakened team in, in both legs in Dortmund, particularly the one in Dortmund, though. They played a really weak team, so it, it, it's a slightly false result from All Spurs' right. well, no, perspective. No, no, thanks. It's good to get some context on that. This Spurs side as well looks stronger anyway than Spurs did two two years yeah. ago, no? And they certainly look good this weekend at Everton. 3-0, mm. yeah. it could have been yeah. twice that. Yeah, but Everton didn't look... I mean, they, Everton they, were terrible. Yeah. They, I don't know what happened to them. They, you know, they, It looked as though things were starting to click with the new signings and I, Koeman seemed to have an idea of how he wanted them to play. But it, it's a bit like he did with Chelsea. He just seems to change things against big teams and it, it falls yeah. apart. He switched to a 4-2-3-1 yeah. and I can't recall seeing three attacking midfielders offer so little across, um, uh, well, say the whole game. David Klassen was hooked at half-time. Uh, Sigurdsson, it wasn't happening for him. Rooney was barely in it. Everton were absolutely miserable. It was an awful performance for a home game. Uh, Tottenham, on the other hand, now lining up in what, what seems, to, instead of numbers to describe it, it's more like concepts now. It's like back three, full-backs as wingers, midfield, diamond, lone striker. I don't even know what the number is for that, but they just seem to always have an extra man. Um, Everton couldn't get near them. Uh, Sanchez at the back made his debut look really comfortable. You know, I think I would have looked really comfortable against Everton <laughs> this weekend, but uh, he didn't seem particularly phased. So, right. yeah, the Spurs look very good. And uh, two goals from Harry Kane, 24 shots in August, no goals. <laughs> September, I think, it was was it one shot and two goals? Because the other one wasn't. Yeah, the other one was a cross. Yeah. <laughs> Which, fair play to him, he did at least admit afterwards. Mm. I spoke to um, Raphael Hernigstein a couple of weeks ago oh, yeah. about this Harry Kane thing, and he said... If you look at these kind of statistics, I mean, they're not any that anybody would take seriously at all. This idea that there's a hoodoo on Harry Kane and he can't score in August. Guess what? What happened, Raf? I, I stick to my point. There aren't <laughs> that many games in August. So statistically, he's always going to be more likely to score goals in other months. Mm. Um, That's fair. And, mm. uh, you know, I, I just don't see what the big fuss is. He couldn't have done much more in August to score. I mean, he was 
24 except, shots. Singing except off shot, actually except score. Actually score. I mean, yeah. The, yeah. Mm. Rafa, you're saying that... Um, it's amazing how often those things that seem nonsensical, that wouldn't make any kind of logic, that, like, you, what you were saying was the kind of people who put together the statistics for betting and, you know, mm. dealing in that sort of... They, it's, it's the sort of stuff they dismiss. But it's incredible. When you look at commentators' notes, things like records against clubs and runs mm. of form... And the, or Spurs' they, record at Wembley, which... Yeah, it, really, do, it doesn't make sense. And yet, actually... It's amazing how many times those things play out. I'm reliably informed that there was a period where Harry Redknapp, as Tottenham manager, was seriously considering leaving Gareth Bale out until they got to a point in a game where it was unlosable so he could put him on then mm. and kill the curse. Um, wow. So some people do t- take these things very seriously. Wow, absolutely. Uh, Everton, by the way, are also in uh, action in Europe this Thursday. They're going to be at Atalanta. Atalanta, you probably recall, were the surprise side in Italy last year. Well, after a terrible start to the season, they climbed all the way to fourth place and they're back in Europe for the first time in almost three decades. And uh, this weekend, actually, they got their first win of the season. It's only three games in, but they, got, they, they came back from a goal down against Sassuolo. And that. They've lost some key players since last year, but they kept their manager, Gasparini, who's really good. And they've got Papu Gomez up front and with the funny captain's arms bands. He scores loads of goals. Bad news for Everton, is that Bergamo is one of the most intimidating places in Italy you can go and see a game. Good news is that they're actually playing this one about 120 miles away in Reggio Emilia because their stadium isn't up to code for UEFA. That's my detailed preview <laughs> of Atlanta Everton. I fancy Atlanta for that, actually. But we'll see. We'll see on Thursday. Uh, we'll talk about more Premier League later on. There's just so much to enjoy in the Champions League this midweek. It's hard to keep up with it all, don't you think, Rafa? If only there were a program that show, would show you all the goals as they, all the goals as they as go they in. Some, in yeah. some kind of like roundup and informative, you know, Preferably everything with in Europe. Journalists and footballing knowledge added exactly. to it. I mean, that would be ideal. Experts, really, I would want experts in their field. What, definitely. What, what sorcery is this? <laughs> yes, that's right, <laughs> listeners. Uh, despite the sad demise of other Jimbo Helm programs, the Gold Show <laughs> will be returning Tuesday and Wednesday. And if you wanted to join us to see what all the fuss is about, then, uh, you know, please do so. Is it? Is it back? We're on BT Sport 1 with the goal show. <laughs> the big one. Um, among the many games that we'll be covering, there are some terrific ones, actually. How about Celtic PSG? Whew, half a billion pounds worth of goal-scoring talent descending on Parkhead. Also, Celtic Park European Nights. Yeah? Is... Special? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you've seen mm. it, but it's like a... It, I've been there for a European night, yeah. yeah. And it's it is different no, no, from absolutely. other places and it does it does contribute. I mean it's not a myth. It actually does contribute. You saw it against Barcelona a couple of seasons ago. Or last season, that incredible three three with yep, Man City. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, but any chance in this one? There's always a chance. There's always a chance. There's all, no, but it, but it, but there's always a chance just because it is one of those games. I mean Raf wouldn't like it because it, you know, it can't be borne out by facts, it's just by feeling. But what is football if not emotion, hey? God, Kelly, I don't know. Let's just stop the podcast there. <laughs> That's like they're a good team. They got that draw Ooh, with Celtic. Men. Well, yeah. this is the thing. They've got great attacking talent. They're really well... As I'm going to say well-organised, which mm. makes them sound very defensive and dull, but they're not. They're really well put together under Brendan Rodgers. Did they you see them have... against Carabag in the second leg of that? 
the away one or the home one? Yeah, the second, the, um, the second one. No, no, I didn't see that one. <laughs> that, that Sorry, it was go... Astana, not Carabag, Astana. Did you see? Did you see them against Astana in the second leg of the the playoff? I have to say, oh, I didn't you see mean the... when they conceded? <laughs> yeah. those... I mean, that the was that different. I mean, the tie was massively, you know, it yeah. was it was over. I mean, it didn't look like that at one stage, but it was over no, by then. They, and they kind of and they'd made lots of defensive um, substitutions and things. They made changes. Fair so enough. It wasn't... PSG, by the way, Celtic had a big four-one win against Hamilton this weekend. Uh, PSG beat. Mets 5-1 in um, Mbappe's debut and he got on the score sheet and so did Neymar and Cavani and they just looked brilliant. It's fair to say though that a little bit like the Man City-Liverpool game, this result was massively influenced by a red card and a pretty unjust red card actually. It was 1-0 when the sending off happened and Mets had had a whole bundle of chances and that game could have gone, could have been a lot tighter, let's put it that way. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, 54 games unbeaten now in domestic competition. Uh, Moussa Dembele and Lee Griffiths both in a race to be fit for Tuesday. PSG's on loan Odson Edouard was involved, was on the score sheet in that game against Hamilton. He's 19 years old and he can play against his mother club. <laughs> he went, <laughs> he can like, play. Well, you were, yeah. mm. Spanish sides, they're in action. Uh, apart from Sevilla taking on Liverpool, Roma up against Atletico Madrid. That's going to be a tough one. Real Madrid, fresh from another draw this weekend, are up against Apple Nicosia and Barcelona host Juventus to hear a little bit more about what's going on with Real Madrid and unexpected wobbles in, in the Liga and Barca's chances of actually scoring a goal this time against the Turin Giants. Let's dial up our amigo in, in Spain, Filippo Maria Ricci. Ciao, Filippo. Ciao, James. <laughs> Ciao once again to you, Professore. Uh, Filippo, we have so much to talk about ahead of the midweek games. The prospect of Barcelona getting their revenge on Juventus, what's going on with Real Madrid, and of course Sevilla up against Liverpool again. Shall we start with this, the rematch of the Europa League final? Yeah, Sevilla, many changes too. First of all, the manager, obviously. So Sampaoli went back to mm. his country to manage uh, Argentina uh, without uh, great success till now. And uh, Toto Berizzo made the trip from Vigo. I think they're still missing a, a proper number nine. Okay. But with uh, Jesus Navas uh, and uh, Nolito, they really found uh, some uh, some gold in the in the flanks. Uh, and uh, I think they did... The, the team has reacted well to the changes. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Eva Banega again. Uh, and also Ganso. How's Ganso been doing it in Seville? Amazing. Uh, last year he scored, I think, three goals in the entire season. He, already, he has already scored two. I've never seen him uh, doing so well and scoring goals. Also because he was a guy who, back in the day, was regarded as... You know, there was Neymar and there was also wow. Ganso. Uh, yeah, but then he had this uh, this injury and uh, everything stopped, uh, including his uh, his football. I think now it's uh, I tell you, last year it was a, a disaster. This year he started very well. Now let, let's see. Obviously, it's it's just uh, you know three games, four games, uh, but uh, I've never seen him playing uh, that well uh, in Europe. Okay, start the season, Filippo. When Real Madrid kind of destroyed Barcelona in the Spanish Super Cup, it looked like Barcelona were really. In- hitting the skids and Real Madrid were going to continue their dominance. But instead, Barcelona are on maximum points. They've just destroyed uh, Espanyol in, in the derby. And Real Madrid have collected a couple of draws and are four points off the top already, off, off the lead. Yeah, exactly. They drew uh, two all with uh, Valencia and one all with, uh, with Levante. Levante is just uh, newly promoted. You know, they're missing uh, two guys. Uh, the first one is Cristiano Ronaldo and mm. the second one is Alvaro Morata. 
the offer of Chelsea was too good uh, to refuse, so Morata wanted to go and they let him go. But now, against Levante, Benzema got injured after, what, 25 minutes? So Bale went up to, to do the number nine and it's not his job. And uh, they had another youngster that is Borja Mayoral, but he wasn't even in the squad uh, this, uh, for this game. He was left at home with Modric and Keylor Navas. And they sold also Mariano, that is uh, this guy that is doing very well at uh, Olympique Lyon. I think he scored uh, four goals in five games. So they, they are missing a number nine. What about Barcelona, who've been on this fantastic run in the league, but now come yeah. up against Juventus again? Now, the thought of Gigi Buffon going back to the Spanish Peninsula after what happened uh, a week or so ago, uh, it yeah. fills me with dread. How do you think this one's going to play out? Uh, you know, I think that Barcelona and Juventus are in a similar position. They've lost two great players, Neymar and Bonucci. Obviously, don't shout at me, <laughs> but I think Bonucci was as important for Juventus as it was Neymar for Barcelona. It's very early days. It's the first game of, of the group. But, uh, you know, uh, at stake, there is the, the first place in the group, possibly. Yeah. So it's, uh, I'm curious. The, the two teams, are, they are building. They are changing. Let's see where they stand now. Where, where are they now? No? We, we also have to say that uh, there is a, a total mess around Barcelona. They are collecting these uh, small papers. Uh, a petition, um, yeah. Yeah, the petition mm. for the impeachment of Bartomeu, the chairman, no? And Messi didn't sign the contract. He doesn't want to give this chairman a picture with him signing a new contract. Iniesta is doing the same. So there is a lot, lot of chaos. But uh, what I've seen on the pitch is, uh, uh, at last, uh, the, the, I've seen the best version of, uh, I don't know, Rakitic, Jordi Alba, Iniesta. So I think Barcelona is, um, is in better shape than Juventus. But still, I, I can, uh, it's, it's a big test for the Juventus' defence, obviously, mm. no? What, what happens with this business of Im impeaching the president? Is that something that, uh, <laughs> which is obviously has echoes of, of other nations, but um, is that something that's going to be a, a short-term issue for Barcelona? Or is yes. That, it, do you think yeah, yeah, just... yeah. Uh, they need to collect uh, um, uh, 14,500 papers, signed papers by the, the um, sources of uh, Barcelona, mm -hmm. uh, within 14 uh, days. Uh, there is a lot of turmoil and also there is the, the political situation because on the 1st of October, theoretically, uh, Catalonia should vote uh, about uh, on the in independence. This is another enormous matter that perhaps we, we can't discuss here. But on um, Saturday at the Camp Nou, they were, they, were go they were chanting, we are going to vote, no? votarem, votarem. We are going to vote for the independence, not for the impeachment of the president. So there are, there are lots of things going on in Catalonia at the moment. Uh, and uh, I don't know which the outcome uh, will be. Filippo Maria Ricci. Just one or two other notes on the uh, situation in Spain. Real Madrid, last time they failed to win either of their first two Liga home games of the season, Zidane was still playing at Bordeaux and Asensio hadn't even been born. And also Sevilla, Eva Benega, of course, featuring for them these days. Remember him at Valencia when he forgot to apply the handbrake while filling up his car at the petrol station? When he got out, it rolled backwards and trapped his ankle against the curb, causing a fractured tibia and fibula in his left foot. He was out for six months. Now, moving right along, Rafa, you, I think, when we did our special and ever-so-interesting Champions League preview, mm. said your flops of the Champions League campaign were going to be Barcelona. Is that right? Yes. Could be more like Bayern at this point, huh? It could be. Um, What's going on? Well, let's not carry away by one bad result, but they were pretty woeful. Um, they went 1-0 down and at Hoffenheim, and then everything kind of fell apart. 
um, they the problem was that they never really looked as if they were picking up any pace, any kind of creativity in the final third. It was so lethargic and predictable. They just peppered the box with bad crosses from from bad positions. And uh, it was a bit of a shambles, really. And, I mean, we've seen these games before. Uh, under Ancelotti, the difference is that usually somebody comes up with something useful and they score and they're better individually than anybody else. Mm. Uh, and they find a way to mitigate for all their deficiencies. But this this time it didn't happen. And this came at a very sensitive time because Lewandowski, Robert Lewandowski, gave a big interview in Der Spiegel where he had a real go at Bayern's um, board for not spending enough money, um, for not strengthening the team, effectively saying we're moving further away from being in a position to challenge for the Champions League. And um, while he, I don't think will be, well, we don't know if he'll be punished financially, but Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, the uh, executive chairman, came out today in build and uh, basically said it's not his turn. Um, and there he was blaming the agent for stirring the pot and uh, was also making a snide comment about uh, one of the Lewandowski lines is saying, you know, it's just totally unreasonable to have these pre-season tours in, in Asia and so on, saying um, Lewandowski's supposed dream team, Real Madrid, had even more. Uh, of that in Asia. How unusual is it for a club like Real Madrid to have these kind of uh, this kind of bickering Bayern? in public? <laughs> How unusual is it for a club like Bayern to have this kind of bickering going on in public? Um, I mean, between player and the board, it's been it's pretty unusual these days because most players are you know very professional, very streamlined. The last guy who really went on the record um, and really had a goal was Philip Lahm in two thousand nine. And he was punished, but in retrospect, it was seen as a very important intervention because not only did he save Van Gaal's um, neck uh, that at that time, he was close to getting fired, but also really I think he did change Bayern's perception a little bit on what is supposed to be done in the transfer market. He was criticizing the fact that they were sort of basically just picking up players um, without thinking about a style and identity. And Bayern have changed since. Uh, whether Lewandowski's intervention will have a similar effect, I'm not sure. I think Bayern's suspicion and their anger is more directed at the fact that he has identified a, sort of a weak, a soft underbelly and is probably attacking it for his own reasons, right. uh, which is to maybe pave the way for a, for a move in the summer. Right. So they see it as uh, something that's not entirely... For the good um, of the team. For the good of the team. They're lying down in fifth place. And, of course, the manager under pressure nowadays is Carlo Ancelotti. Mm. Act like Hanif asking, if, is he going to last long? There was that terrible pre-season. And yeah. now the concern's building, I imagine. Well, I mean, unless Bayern get knocked out in the Champions League very early and somehow, you know, are in danger of of uh, missing out on the Champions League altogether, I think the the intention is definitely to see out the season. But every 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 week, really, I think the determination to part ways with him at the end of the season is just being strengthened because they just don't see the team develop. In fact, they see the team regressing. And um, while it's maybe fair to you know to pick up Lewandowski's point, other teams are buying more expensive players, this is still a squad that's good enough to play a lot, lot better. Mm. And they're not, not being coached properly, in my And view. presumably the favourite to take over from Ancelotti is the man who beat him this yeah, weekend, Julian yeah, Nagelsmann. Okay, because Roy Hodgson's already gone. So. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, we should look out for Leipzig, though, shouldn't we, this week? They're yeah. taking on Monaco. What a couple of goals 
in their win away at Hamburg yeah, this weekend. Incredible. I mean, one a screamer from Nabiketa and one also a screamer, but actually a sort of Thierry Henry-like... The pace on him. Dribble and sprint pace. So it was uh, a Hamburg corner, yeah. which they the ball bounces around in the box a little bit and then it comes out. Somebody gets it to Timo Werner and yeah. he's gone. He just goes, yeah. And then fantastic, emphatic finish. I mean, you don't really see these goals very often because usually teams have a defence of some sort. Um, but uh, Hamburg had everybody up uh, for that corner and he had he basically had 60 metres of, of clean green space to run into. But the, the finish was emphatic and his pace and his movement is such that I think right now Joachim Löw will start him. If, if Russia were to start tomorrow the World Cup, I think he'd be the centre forward for, for Germany and he could really um, solve that issue that Germany had certainly in France, where for all the build-up play, they haven't got somebody outstanding who makes these runs into the box or takes somebody on. I think he could be the missing missing link. All right. Leipzig are going to be at home to Monaco midweek. Uh, great game. Hmm? Good, great game? Great game. Yeah. And Napoli, uh, who James Horncastle reckons could be this year's Monaco, uh, they are going to be visiting Shakhtar. There's loads of other games, but you can see them all. And I'll show on BT Sport. Boom. Uh, right. A little bit of music and then more things. Men and ladies of the Totally Football Show, why waste time going to the shop to buy overpriced quadruple-bladed vibrating turbo razors and making the likes of Thierry Henry and Roger Federer even richer by doing so? Instead, head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally and pick up a personally engraved razor and six super sharp blades delivered right to your door for just £4. There are no gimmicks with Cornerstone, just a closer, smoother shave than ever before. And it doesn't just work on your face either. I used it on Jimbo's head before we started recording. Mmm. Head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally to see for yourself. And if you don't love your first Cornerstone shave, they'll give you your money back, no questions asked. Breaking news, Kelly Cates. Yes. Not for anyone listening. It's already been. <laughs> they and already gone. know. But this, this caught us by surprise. Luckily, you were just checking your train timetable and, and, and <laughs> discovered that Crystal Palace had gone and far poor old Frank de Boer. Yep. 77 days in charge of Crystal Palace for Frank de Boer. And he has gone. It's really strange. Is that a record? It is a record. Four games is the shortest amount of time a manager's been in charge right. in the Premier League. He managed 85 days famously at Inter, and I doubt when he when he joined uh, Palace he thought he was going to be smashing that particular... Well, he's a record-breaker, isn't he? Um, they, they became the first top-flight team yes. since Preston in 24-25 to lose their opening four games without scoring a goal. I like that, but I like this stat even more. This is from Duncan Alexander at Ollie Saylor, approximately 43 million people have been born since Palace last scored a Premier League goal. That's extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, it was, what, seven of their last eight games they lost without scoring a goal. So it's not just De Boer's problem. No. But it seems that it's, it's really strange decision, not just because Steve Parrish was tweeting last night saying we've all got to stick together. It's, you know, that this is about Palace moving forward. Let's not panic. We're only four games in. Mm. And that he said at the start of the season that this was... He didn't use the word project because it's a very overused word, but he didn't he didn't use that word. But he said he said this is about, you know, changing the team's DNA, changing the club's DNA. This is all a product of how we came up from the championship with the players that we had, but now we want to turn things around. It just seems really strange that four games, four games into the season, he suddenly decided that this long term aim mm. is now no longer viable. So is it the case that he's gonna say 
we're going to go back to the way we know, which bringing Roy Hodgson in would suggest. Roy Hodgson yes. replacing Frank de Boer. Yeah. Is it possible that de Boer himself said, I'm actually I'm fed up with this, can I go home now? Well, then they wouldn't have been sacked. That would right. have been so quit. So no. no is the answer, <laughs> OK. Yeah, I mean, career-wise, it would probably be an, an unwise decision. Um, but it might be uh, the problems behind the scenes. We've been hearing rumours about players who... Um, who have been sort of sidelined by the the manager? Which players? Yeah, uh, you know, Martin Kelly, Damian Delaney. Mm. Uh, Kelly did actually come on as a sub because of injuries, but he didn't look didn't look ready. Made a horrible mistake for for a goal. Um, was that it, in the Swansea game? Yes, I think it was. Carl a, Norton. Uh, yeah, and he lost his marking for the other goal as oh, well. Oh, really? Okay. Um, so it, it could be that maybe the intention was to to stick with the manager, but the players have just gone. No, no, please don't. So have the Palace f- then abandoned? Does this show that if they're bringing in Roy Hodgson, mm. have they abandoned this attempt to kind of change their DNA in the way that they play and develop this this new style of, of for Crystal Palace? Does that does that mean that they're going back to the way they were and have said that's who we are now? Presumably, yeah. So, Raph, we're all looking at you. <laughs> I don't know why. It was a gen- it was just a general weekend, question. I'm, and I know that yeah. Burnley is. I know Burnley's a difficult place to go, mm. but they do give you loads of. But it didn't look like Palace's players weren't playing for their manager, unless that's the way that you interpret uh, Lee Chung-Yung's extraordinary <laughs> back pass. But to be fair, and, actually, and ironically, yeah. they didn't play... I mean, they, they, they didn't play as much of... I mean, I know they had more possession, but they didn't play in that way yeah. in the game yesterday. They played in a much more direct way than they have done for the rest of the season. Mm. So, Which is why he got fired. Well, yeah. He's no longer. <laughs> <laughs> but genuinely, if Scott, so if Scott Dan's header goes in at the end of that game, yeah. then then what? Does he is he still the Crystal Palace well, manager? Was, it, was his mind already made up? Do, that was, I mean, Lee, yeah. If Lee let's Chung talk about that. What pack. what can he have been thinking? God only knows. <laughs> I mean, Chris Wood's a big lad as well. True He's, ball. If if it was a tiny diminutive playmaker that he hadn't seen, you could almost understand it. But Chris Wood's <laughs> built like a shed. What was James out of interest? What was the um, the kind of accepted uh, narrative or verdict on Frank de Boer's Inter? That it was Inter's fault. That he was the casualty. It had nothing to do with of, him. No, that it was the yeah. That he was the casualty of the craziest club in Italian football, which obviously is quite a, a high bar. Um, <laughs> that Inter have all sorts of inherent problems within their management structure. That they hadn't much. You know, a lot of this will sound familiar, perhaps to Palace fans. They hadn't provided him with the kind of team that he needed. But as James was saying last time he was on, um, De Boer, after his preseason, suddenly changed everything going into the actual City A campaign and got off to a terrible start and never really recovered from that. And I think there were there was always a faction within within the ballroom that wanted him out. Um, and results picked up. Yeah, although if you look at Inter now, the, I mean, Spalletti's come in and it looks like finally they've settled on their man. Well, producer Ben's got a stat. Crystal Palace, since 2010, have had how many managers? Ten. Sixteen. Good God. Ooh. All right, well, but... Best of luck to to Roy. Now, Rafa, you were saying you you picked Palace to go down, but now you think now that... I think I mean it's unfair really to change managers so early because <laughs> I had to um, su- submit my my prediction in August and now it's all changed. Right. So you feel that Roy will keep them up? I feel that he will keep them up. Yeah. It's a nice game to start with at home to Southampton, who has scored I think only once in open play all season. Mm. I mean, it makes it worth watching now. Mm. Given that Palace hadn't scored at all, yeah. and Southampton had one goal from open play, it wasn't one that was really wetting the appetite. Now, though, there's a narrative. Oh, I love a narrative. I love a narrative. Mm. Me too. I mean, it's very hard to evaluate a manager's um, 
expertise and, and competence without actually seeing what he does in training. Uh, I always feel that in the Premier League, you really are guessing half of the time. The players won't really tell you unless, you know, years later maybe. Uh, stuff leaks out through agents, but you don't really get a clear view of where the problems really, really lie. And it's, it is just feasible that, you know, for all their sort of knee-jerkism, uh, the Palace have looked at the way he works and thinks, you know, this guy's not is not up to the job. Mm. Um, it could well be, of course, as well that they just simply panicked and think we can't afford to. Oh, so, the, so the Crystal games. Palace players have looked at a man who Inter thought was good, and I know it didn't end particularly well. That the Inter thought was good enough. Yeah, but Inter that, had it. That had success at Ajax, and the Palace players have thought it's not really for us. No, but they can't I mean, judge him on on success at Ajax. They will judge him on what he says to them in the dressing room. Mm. If he if he doesn't come across as somebody who knows exactly what he's doing, then you lose the trust very quickly. Looking forward to seeing what Roy can do with his special motivation techniques with uh, Andros Townsend again. After oh, they're brilliant. Mm. <laughs> they're brilliant to work together also, with England. But also the other thing, they've got yes, they've got Southampton, and like you said, it's not going to be a high-scoring one. They've then got Huddersfield, who've beaten them already 3-0 this mm. season. They've got them in the EFL Cup. Then it's Manchester City away, yep. and then Man United and Chelsea at home. Oh. I mean, they could have nil point after eight games, or maybe three if they get. And then, and then, and then Newcastle away. And if Newcastle, mm. hey, let's speak about Newcastle because they got a win. Rafa they wasn't did. there. Hey, another manager who didn't last very long at Inter, Rafa Benitez, and he was off having his hernia surgery. Uh, but they went and got a win, a fantastic win it was for them uh, away at Newcastle, all thanks to... Jamal Lascelles. Jamal Lascelles. I have such a soft spot for Jamal Lascelles. Why is that, Kelly? Because I've, I've kept I've kept an eye out for him ever since. It was when they were in the relegation battle a couple of seasons ago and they got beaten 3-1, I think it was, by Southampton and he came out afterwards. He only came on as a substitute. He was 22. He's still, still not long in the tooth. He was 22 then, came out, having come on as a substitute, one of the kids, and called out all the senior players. He said, we've got loads of players who've got attacking talent, but we've got no heart, we've got no desire. That He was swearing as he was coming off the pitch. And do you know what he did? Came back in the next game and scored the first goal in a 3-0 win. That's, that's, that is what Rafa Benitez would call character. He's, I think he's just a really interesting person. I think he's, you know, he, he, Rafa went on to make him captain in the championship last season. Got them, you know. They they got promoted as as champions. They're back in the Premier League, and then yesterday he makes that amazing goal line clearance. Well, just outside the goalpost, but he made that amazing clearance mm. yesterday, and then a couple of minutes, maybe longer than a couple of minutes, goes and scores the winner for it's Newcastle in the game. He's just and he and he's developing as a defender. He's still only young, but he's developing as a defender as well. And he's just a he's just a proper person. I think he or at least he comes across that way. Nice one, a proper football man. PFM. <laughs> he has a PFM. No, no, well done to Newcastle. Maybe you should have targeted in the summer. I possibly. I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard to. It's hard to know whether that he has the. Uh, he can match Ragnar Klavan's <laughs> it, stellar performance in the game against City, particularly at the Everyone's weekend. Everyone's laughing at Ragnar Klavan. Oh, when he fell over. Oh, and he, oh, and he slipped, and yeah. it was just, but. But yeah, uh, I mean, there's that. But I, I just think he's, um, 
he seems to he seems to have a lot of potential at the moment. All right, Ian, you're going to have a very quick point, then we're going to move on. Yeah, just a tough in- introduction to Premier League football for Renato Sanchez, mm. who um, <laughs> you you could see the way his his brain was working. You could see what he was trying to do, but the touch wasn't there. I'm not sure the fitness was there. He got clattered pretty hard a couple of times, and he poor poor kid had a bit of a stinker. I think he's going to be he's going to be great though. I just want to ask Rafa as well about Mikel Moreno. Am I saying that right? Who's been outstanding coming in for Shelvin, huh? Yeah, I mean, he didn't he didn't uh, make it at Dortmund. Um, he's one of those players that Dortmund pick up and everything, everybody thinks this is just another sign of how good their scouting network is. But for whatever reason, he didn't really settle. Hardly played under successive managers. But I know of at least two people at Dortmund who were very, very sad to let him go because they felt he's a real player who, for whatever reason, just hasn't been able to show it yet. He, he's on loan. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, so anyway, so Newcastle got a big win at Swansea. Watford, a 2-0 victory at Saints. I'm sure you enjoyed Dara Yamat's goal, did you, Ian? I did, and I'd just like to apologise for what won't be the uh, first or last time this season for mm. tipping them for relegation based purely on a hunch that it was about time. I'm really sorry. They look like a really decent team. Now. All right. Sorry. And what do you sorry. make of Brighton now? They've gone and got a win and scored goals and things. 3-1, the victory over West Brom with another import from the actual mm. Bundesliga or the Bundesliga Zwei in this case Pascal Gross Pascal yeah. Gross mm. okay, yeah okay yeah. Uh, from Ingolstadt no? yeah Ingolstadt yeah, yeah. I was All very right. impressed with uh, with Wrighty for name checking Ingolstadt on match of the day oh yeah yeah but that's besides the point um, <laughs> Pascal Gross interesting player um, his, his dad was um, was a footballer at, at Karlsruhe he was one of those young kids coming through at Hoffenheim uh, under Ralf Rangnick all those years ago, 10 years ago, and he's, he now says that was probably a little bit too early for me. He then had to go and basically foster a career in the second division. Came up under Ralf Hasenhüttl, the Leipzig coach, to the Bundesliga. And um, sort of a quiet player, but very good on, on dead ball uh, situations and uh, strikes the ball quite cleanly, as you saw. Superb. Superb. All right. Um, do you know what we haven't mentioned yet? Arsenal! We did a win. Arsenal, who this Thursday are hosting Cologne, uh, this weekend answered all their critics and generally silenced all doubts by beating bottom of the table Bournemouth. Jonathan Ricketts says, can you carry on the themes so far and pick out a negative from Arsenal against Bournemouth? Probably, Jonathan. Uh, let's start with a positive. <laughs> Hooray for Danny Welbeck. Yes, I love Danny Welbeck. He's basically everything you want in a striker with, with, with one minor flaw <laughs> in that he doesn't score very often. But he does but, now. Yeah, he's second. Three in four goals. Joint and second highest scorer in the league, no less. No. Uh, the first one was pure Welbeck, uh, headed onto his shoulder and into the, into the net. He does love a scruffy goal. But the second one was unimpeachable class. Nice. Oh, it's a wonderful goal. Rafa, Bournemouth are the kind of team that the Gunners like to play are Cologne. That kind of team? Um, not really on paper. Cologne are very, very good defensively. Um, they didn't look it on Saturday when they uh, lost uh, conceding a hat-trick uh, by uh, Finn Bogerson, the Oxbox striker, who usually don't, doesn't score many goals. Um, so I'd, I'd expect Cologne will make it very difficult and frustrate Arsenal. Huh. Um, they're not as good, though, going forward uh, after Anthony Modeste has left. I mean, he was really everything for them as far as going forward is concerned. Now they've got John Cordoba, who's decent, but not quite in the same class. The interesting thing here, um, or maybe not, but uh, it's worth mentioning. I mean, you cannot overestimate the importance and the excitement 
that Cologne fans and the whole club put on this Arsenal game. Mm. Um, this is the first time that they're back in Europa League in, in decades. And uh, speaking to, to a colleague of mine, I mean, he said this is not just a game of the year for them. This is a game of a decade. They are so hyped about um, going back and playing at the European stage that they think about nothing else since the draw. Wow. And um, I think it will not exactly benefit their their progress in, in the Bundesliga because their eye is totally, at least as far as the supporters are concerned, and, and, and I guess partly the players, is is on doing well in Europe. Wow. All right. And Arsenal in particular, this one fixture. This is I mean this is a fixture that excites them because right. you know it's obviously a bit it's a huge game. It's the it's the biggest game in the group. It's also against uh, the team that uh, took the firm crowd favorite and sort of local saint uh, Lucas Podolski. So they're very familiar with Arsenal so it is it is absolutely huge. And uh, of course in the return leg they'll have the goat out as All well. Right. Hennis the 8th. Hen is the eighth, indeed. They're still on number eight, are they? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Right, now, quick bit of music. And then, listeners, what do you reckon on a very quick nod to the Football League? Football League Department, uh, when's that new show coming along, Ian? <gasps> Next Tuesday. Is that right? And Tuesday, if yeah. you go onto iTunes now, yes. look for the Totally Football League show and subscribe now. There's okay. a little trailer on there. We'll tell you all about it. All right. And then you'll, you'll be there. You'll be ready. What's um, in the first show? Uh, on the first show, we will not tell you yet. We okay. want it to be a surprise. Okay. Uh, Haven't is, written the running yeah. order. <laughs> you mentioned I have to go there. now. <laughs> Now, what, things that would have been on it, were you doing one this week, yes. would include presumably uh, that hull hammering, which you mentioned before, Leonid Slutsky, 5-0, they lost to Derby on Friday night. Kelly, I know you're all over this in, in part of your other broadcasting this. duties, you know, with the championship and that. Uh, hull getting beaten 5-0, Leeds beating Burton 5-0, and that's two consecutive games that they've had at least they've scored at least five goals in Leeds. Yeah, if you count the um the the, the Carabao Cup, is that am I getting that Carabao. one right? Carabao. Carabao. Um yeah, what's more impressive is um that's five clean sheets in the championship on the bounce. They are a really good team. Thomas Christensen has got them playing um they're they're tight and compact at the back and then they're so quick, so much technique going forward. Um so I, I would I would fancy them for promotion at and the moment. You don't want to make it all about Chris Wood, but when they lost him, it was like, oh God, they're, they're going to miss all these goals, 20 plus goals a season. It's going to be really difficult. But actually, they're just, they're sharing them around a lot more. They have lots of those kind of very attractive forward, you know, forward looking players, don't mm. they? Ben's a Leeds fan. He says, looks like Leeds are signing Yusuke Idaguchi, Japan international from Gamba Suka. Great to hear your thoughts on him, Ian. <laughs> I have never heard of him. Okay, he also says, Ben, are Leeds the real deal this year? Yes. Okay. Yes, I really think they are. Hey, do you want to start in League Two? Let's as, start as down tradition in League dictates. Two. All right. Um, manager of the month curse. <laughs> what manager of the month curse? Eleven years it's taken Dapper Paul Tidsdale, the Exeter boss, to win uh, manager of the Who? month. Paul Tisdale. Oh, Dapper Paul's Tisdale. Yeah, that's not his full name. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, uh, but he finally picked up the Poison Gong, um, went out to Biodegradable Forest Green and beat them 3-1. Huh. So Exeter are top, and if Forest Green don't improve soon, they're going to get recycled Ooh. and straight back down into the conference. You know who's in second place in League Two? Is it Accrington Stanley? Exactly. <laughs> on to League One. Mm. What the hell is going on at Shrewsbury slash Shrewsbury? I don't know, but how about you tell us what's going on at Shrewsbury? 
Of which is it? Shrewsbury. 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 I said Shrewsbury last week. No, you said Shrewsbury last time. And you blamed it on Kelly. Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury. I never blamed you. Yeah, he did. Indirect messages. Okay, anyway, they won. They won again. Three thousandth league game. (laughs) I did not know that. That's right. Um, But they did win. Um, I mean, this was a team that was dragged out of the relegation zone last season, Um, and now they are top of the table and they're playing some really decent football too. They beat Wigan on Saturday, Mm. and they are a point ahead of Cholton Athletic, who regrettably beat Southend two one. Chon flying. Yes, very much so. Um, And finally, uh, in League One. Yeah. Well done, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Do you know how long it took him to make his impact? 21 seconds. And Northampton were were leading, and they have their first points of the season. He's taken over as manager? As as Northampton, yes. Yeah, okay. Also, well done to Blackburn. Three wins in a row. (laughs) In the championship, then. Oh, my God, someone stopped Cardiff. Finally. And it was Fulham who had such a slow start to the season. Um, But they got a one-all draw at Craven Cottage, which uh, Ben and I were discussing earlier I've never actually thought about the name Craven Cottage but Fulham <laughs> they basically play at a stadium called the Tiny House of Cowards yeah it, is, it sounds like Craven as long as it's not Craven Cottage that would be Craven Cottage yeah. would be better than Craven I don't know that it would what are you doing I'm Craven Cottage <laughs> well cottage That's... cheese perhaps oh it could be cottage cheese Kelly uh, you Christ were... don't follow up with that <laughs> <laughs> you were busy with the championship Yes. Uh, and the Football League in general uh, this weekend. Yeah, I was uh, Sheffield Wednesday Forest. Oh, nice was the game one. I was working on. Uh, Wednesday looked good as well. Do they? They looked really good on, on Saturday evening. Um, I thought we maybe get a bit more from Forest, but it just didn't happen for them. They've had some good performances this season. This wasn't particularly particularly one of them. Speaking of Forest, did you see that interview with Billy Davis, with, with uh, Daniel Taylor in the, in the Guardian? He's not worked for three and a half years. And he uh, thinks there's a campaign. Yeah, he's, he's done some research into this, hasn't he? He's blamed... Sorry, I'm not laughing, but he blames us on lies and smears. He alleges there's been a deliberate and orchestrated campaign to sabotage him. He claims that 17 different clubs in England and Scotland have been specifically warned to steer clear of him. I'm surprised it's that low. But <laughs> some, of the, um, some of the evidence are things like negative comments on Twitter, which is just par for the course, really, right. isn't it? And... Some of the criticisms that are cited in that um, article are fair. You know, some of the things that he he puts down to being part of a uh, smear campaign seem of to, you're me in the loop, aren't to you, be Kevin? reasonable all... criticism. Yeah. No, no, no. In what loop? No, I mean you're part of the. It goes right to the top, doesn't it? You're part of this. Oh as yeah. Well. Oh, sorry. In the Illuminati, in the football <laughs> Illuminati. Yes, I am. It's true. Kelly, um, David McKay says. Is there a footy show that Kelly would love to work on but hasn't yet? There can't be many left now as you're everywhere. I don't work on that many. Come on, what what show? If you could work, it doesn't have to be a footy show. If you could work on any programme, what would Um, it be? Oh, oh God, I hate things like this. Any programme at all? In what capacity? I don't know. Presumably in a presenting role? I don't know. Is there nothing that you think, oh, I don't know, I could do that? No. I I just kind of, I just wait till I'm offered and then rock up. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. I'll think, I'll think, I'll think. Okay, next time you're to ask a question. I mean, you'd be great on Bake Off, of course. Obviously, Kelly Cakes. Kelly Cakes. Nice, it writes itself. (laughs) Exactly. That's the Kelly Cakes show. Yeah. Wow, can I be. I'm not not, um, not, uh, good enough with the double entendres. 
to be on Bake Off. I feel like I should follow that up immediately with a double entendre, but... I've never seen... I haven't got one in me. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Back to the championship. Oh, are we not done? Uh, No, just to say, uh, bad times in the Midlands. Not for Wolves. They're doing really well. Aston Villa have only won one game this season. Birmingham, having spent 12 million on half the Brentford team, they've only won one game this season. They got beaten by Norwich. They're only just above the relegation zone. Who's under more pressure? Uh, Harry... Or Steve? I think it feels like the storm will break over Steve Bruce quicker, um, but I don't think that's necessarily to be seen as a compliment to Redknapp. I think they're both in a lot of trouble. Can I just tell everybody where they can hear the show and find out information? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, thank you very much. So you can, of course, find it on iTunes. It's already there. You won't have to follow anything new on Twitter. We'll use the same Totally Show feed for that. Um, And the same Facebook as well. You can follow us on Facebook, The Totally Football Show. So get on all of those things, and uh, we'll have a new show for you next week. Super. Well, as for this old show, I think that's pretty much it. Anything you want to add there, Rafa? I'm all ranted out. Good. All right. Anyway, I'm sure you'll have some fresh things to say Tuesday night on The Gold Show. Ian, look forward to seeing you soon. Kelly, anything you want to add from your extraordinary spectrum of knowledge? (laughs) You're so sarcastic. I'm not sarcastic. I, You've probably got to get off to another show anyway, don't you? You actually <laughs> no, literally do. I, I literally don't. I have to go on a school run next. Ah, that's what, that's right. the next thing on my list. Excellent. Well, whatever you're doing me. next, listeners, I wish you the best of luck. I hope you have a super week until we rejoin you on Thursday. For now, this has been The Totally Football Show. Many thanks to Kelly, Ian, Rafa and producer Ben and you listeners. We'll see you Thursday. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and tweet us at The Totally Show.